Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoyed today's message. As part of our series that we have been fielding, uh, and you guys would know that series is called Not Do But Done, and it's a series that really colors in a lot of Doxodeus theology, so much so that our founder, Alan Platt, wrote a book about it named Not Do But Done. And today, what we're actually discussing is we're discussing the idea that we can enter into the rest enter into the rest that God offers us. Um, so it's quite exciting. Um, I'm so excited to be speaking around this area and this idea with you. And it's been quite a journey even for me as I've just been wading through um, what Alan shared and what we want to share with you guys today. So I'm going to start by being brutally honest with you. I suck at coming to a place of rest I don't like standing still for very long. I don't like uh, resting so much so that uh, recently I took a week off and not only Joe, but even my boss messaged me and said, are you actually resting? Um, Turn off your phone. I don't want to hear from you. Um, And really, as I thought about it, I, I just try to figure out why is it that I find it so hard to take intentional gaps and to take rest when it's offered for me. And it's, it's a little weird because it's not like I don't have leave. It's not like I can't take rest. It's not like it's not encouraged in the environment that I'm in. But there's something in me that keeps me from coming to a place of rest. So how about you? Do you find it easy to rest? Or like me, is it all about the doing and and rest only comes when you really hit a wall or you get sick or tragedy strikes? The rest we're talking about today, though, is not just a physical rest. We're talking about coming to a place of peace and stillness in here. So not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually. So, so the big question for t- today is simply, is rest something you do or is rest a place you exist from? Is rest a place you exist from? So uh, our scriptures do teach us that God offers us rest. And if I understand what our scriptures teach us correctly, it's that we can exist in that place of rest perpetually. No matter the season, no matter what's going on around us, God offers us rest that we can enter into and remain in. And one of the big scriptures that I'm going to share, and this is not going to be on your screens, so you're just going to have to listen with me, is from Matthew 11, and it's from verse 28 to 30. And I'm sure many of you have heard it before, and it's the one that says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I don't know about all of you, but after the year we've had, you're in some change, actually, um, of murder hornets, COVID, isolation riots, cold fronts, and the realities of life as we know it. I am weary, and I need to enter the rest 
that Jesus is offering to me. And I'm sure you guys are there with me. So in my pursuit of rest, I started wondering, what is it that drives me this way? Why do I find it so so difficult to come to a place of rest? Why do I struggle with it? And and the reason I, I, I try and figure it out is because, let's face it, if there's a fruit, there's always a root. Right, so so if there's the fruit of restlessness in my life, there's got to be a reason for that fruit of restlessness, and and really after doing a bit of unpacking and a few personality tests and a couple of other things and having conversations with people, what I discovered about myself, but honestly, what I already knew is that one of the reasons I keep going is because I need to be needed. And useful. Because quite honestly, at the very heart of me, there's a space that believes that once I'm no longer useful to people, they won't want to know me. I've got to earn their love. I've got to earn their favor in my life. And and as I unpack this a bit more, I realize that it's not only people. I believe this about God too sometimes. And I don't think I'm the only one. Can any of you relate? Do any of you feel like you need to earn God's love and earn his favor in your life and, and earn um, his favor over our country, over your work, over your situations? We're not the only ones, friends. I see this in the scriptures as well. In Luke 10, verse 38 to 42, there's this passage with Mary and Martha. And this passage has always, always spoken to me, um, probably because I'm a Martha that desires to be a Mary. And let's read that passage together. Luke 10, verse 38 to verse 42. And it says, while they were traveling, he entered a village, Jesus now. Um, And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and, and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken from her. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. I mean, he's the Messiah, so what an honor to have him come in and dine with them. And I can relate with Martha in so many ways, because if someone's over to my house, I am doing whatever I can to make them feel welcome, and I'm, I'm running around so much so that I don't always get to enjoy the person. And Martha's running around, and she's getting things ready, and she starts to serve Jesus. But, but Mary, her sister, sits at Jesus' feet, and she listens. And, and Mary knew what Martha did not. God delights in us, and he desires our hearts more than he desires our service. Don't get me wrong. The stuff matters. The, the doing matters. The service matters. The things we put our hands to matter. But, but our serving is important and matters to God, but it flows out of a relationship and a heart that is surrendered to God. One has to come before the other. The God who moved heaven on earth, heaven and earth, to be reconciled with us, desires relationship with us. And, and the honest truth is the way we see God and the way we imagine his countenance towards us is always going to color in whether or not we're able to rest in him or whether we think we need to earn his love, his attention, his provision, and his affection. What about you? Can I ask you to take a moment quickly and close your eyes? 
close your eyes and imagine God there before you looking at you. Now look at his face. Look at his expression. What do you see in his countenance? Because if you are in Jesus, friends, and you are seeing anything other than a smile on his face, then what you are seeing is a lie. Not only is God's countenance towards you loving, more than that, he is deeply, deeply invested in your life and in the things that matter to you. Maybe like me, you had an earthly father figure that left or, or one that was distant or, or one you just couldn't count on when things got tough and, and maybe you were never affirmed. So what is your direct response then with God? Maybe, maybe there's this skewed relationship with the father that firstly doesn't reflect the truth of who he is for you and secondly, one in which you feel you need to work to earn his presence, his favor, his, his love in your life, and, and one where you believe he runs out when things get tough because someone else did that to you. And this is where I love this passage in Romans 8 that really colors in who God is for us and in relationship to us. And it builds out, and we're going to read from verse 31, chapter 8, verse 31 in Romans what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. This is not the action, friends, of someone who hates you or of someone who doesn't care for you or doesn't care about the concerns of your heart. Can you fathom going this far for someone you love? It carries on and it says, how will he not also with him, with Jesus, grant us everything. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. And, and really, as we look at the scripture, it just says, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, leaning in and praying for the things we pray for and bring to God. This is not the picture of an uninterested, unconcerned God. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor riots, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to definitively say to you this morning, nothing, 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 that is no thing can ever separate us from God's love for us. Not what you did this week, not the things you said or did not do, nothing can separate you from God's love for you. We're always going to see hardships in this life. I'm not surprised by them when they come, friends, but when we know who our God is and we know who we are in relationship to him, it reframes how we live. There's this one piece 
of Scripture in Numbers 13 and 14 in the Old Testament. And, and it finds the Israelites ready to take possession of what God has given them as their inheritance, the promised land. And, and as they prepare to enter the promised land, there's, there's this moment where, Jesus, where um, Moses sends out spies and they come back with different viewpoints, um, sharing some of what they saw there in the promised land. And 10 of the 12 say, it's impossible. The people were too strong. We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, they say. And, and so we were in their sight. And, and all they saw in the midst of that situation was themselves and what they were capable of. Fundamentally, this is a severe identity issue. We can't look at who we are apart from Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Any picture of us or our situation, or the situation in our country that doesn't include them in the picture is a lie. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit are working alongside us, in us, with us, and fighting for us in every situation that troubles our hearts. The other two spies in the story, Caleb and Joshua, had a different spirit to them, the Bible says. Caleb silenced the people and he said to them, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. And and the people at that moment chose to rather listen to the 10 than listen to Caleb and to Joshua. And God acknowledged Caleb and he promised to bring him into the land, but the Israelites were not able to enter because of their disobedience. And, And this morning I want to ask a bit of a hard question. My question to you is this. What good things have been withheld from us? And that includes the rest that God offers, simply because we've chosen to only see the giants, only see the strife and the riots, but we haven't seen God working in the situation. I was listening to a podcast this week, and it was all about joy. And it's just a brilliant, brilliant talk by an author and a pastor called Lisa Harper. And, and she was speaking about just some circumstances she was going through. And it was an interview um, that they had with her about her time in hospital with COVID. And, and she says she remembers lying in a hospital bed with pneumonia. And she was overhearing the nurses speak about her. And she says, no offense to them. They didn't know that she was in earshot or that she could hear them at that time. And they were just saying... Her, her situation, her prognosis is not great, that, that they weren't sure she was going to make it. And, and a little while later, she had a doctor come in, and the doctor said to her, I know you're a pastor, and I know you share the word, and, and the reality is the damage to your lungs is so severe, we don't think you'll ever be able to speak again. You won't be able to preach again. And, um, and in that moment, she was lying there, and she says she, she lay back after hearing both bits of news from the nurses and the doctors, and, and she, she thought to herself, so this is what perfect peace feels like. Because she says in that moment, after hearing everything, she just lay back, and she had this profound peace come over her heart, come over her thoughts, and it was the rest that, that Jesus offers. It was just this moment where because of her relationship, because she could trust the Father, because of the foundation that was laying in her life, she could, she could literally lie back and go, God, I know you've got this. I know you've got me. And she says immediately, she jumped to a point of panic because she said, you know what, I've got this 11-year-old at home and I want to see her grow up. 
And she says she, there was this moment where her rest was disturbed. And, and the Lord just pulled her back and said, and don't you think I've got her too? Friends, with the week we've had, with, with everything we've got going on in our country and, and with us at the moment, how can we not desire the rest that only God can provide to us? There's something beautiful that happens when, when we can literally say to people, we have a hope, a hope that goes beyond understanding, a peace that goes beyond understanding because of who our God is. But how do we get to that place? How do we get to a place of peace and rest and hope? The place where no matter what we're hearing or what we're going through or what's going on in our country, we can enter into the rest of saying, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. I want to suggest four very important steps for entering into that rest. And the first of those are be honest before God and before your inner circle. Be honest before God and before your inner circle. And, and really, I'm sure that Caleb and Joshua in that moment in Numbers 13 and 14, that they looked at each other. They saw these giants of men and they thought to themselves, this sucks and we're going to die. I'm sure there was a moment where, where the reality of what they were looking at and the external reality, the physical reality hit home. And they looked at each other. But, but I think what made the difference, friends, for them is what they did with what they were feeling. What they did with what they were feeling. They took it to God. They saw it in relation to who their God is. And, and without God reframing the giant moments in our lives, we don't have a clear picture of them. But when we take these moments to the Father, He can do something. He can reframe them and place Himself in the middle of what we're facing, in the middle of what our country is facing. So what do we do? We take our emotions, we take our thoughts to God, and we submit them to Him for reframing. That is the first way we enter into the rest. The second is be careful what you consume especially in hard seasons. Be careful what you consume, especially in hard seasons. And the thing that I want to say to us, friends, is if the world is getting more airtime than God and his word have in our life, you will never be able to enter into the rest. I purposely avoided videos and propaganda and news and social media relating to the riots this week. I'm not denying the truth, I'm choosing how much of it I'm going to allow to inform my thinking. I know enough in order to know what to pray and what to do, but no more than that. And especially when fear and anxiety are filling the airwaves, I need to make sure that worship and word and prayer have more airtime in my life than anything else does. And the reason I have to do this, friends, is because how can I trust a God I do not know? There's something about Lisa Harper's story that just hits home to me because the reason she was able to enter that rest in that hospital bed with all of the negative prognoses is because she knew who her God was. She knew what he's capable of. And I want to encourage you, if you're being overwhelmed by the negative message that is floating around out there at the moment, can I just just urge you, spend time in the word. Spend time doing the Mary thing, not the Martha thing. Spend time at the feet of Jesus, hearing what he's speaking over our country, over you, over your life, your family, your children, your work, your studies. 
Because that is where we are going to find life. That is how we get fueled to sow hope. So that is how we enter the rest. That's the second way. The third way is to choose carefully what you then sow into the world. Yes, number two was about what we put in, what we receive, what we take in. But there also comes a time when we choose what message am I going to put out into the world. This week I had a very uh, tiky moment where I had to choose um, uh, very carefully my words. Because I'm in a WhatsApp group that is really filled with a mix of expats, people who no longer live in this country and have moved overseas, and, and a bunch of locals. And this week again, I just experienced a bunch of them going on and on in this WhatsApp group about, we are doomed, there is no hope, our country is literally going to the dogs. And, and things just look so dire, they don't know if they're going to have bread or milk this week, says this person in this group. And, and I just found myself in this moment where, where I was looking at what they were writing and, and I was looking at what they were speaking over our country and, and over their reality. And these are people that profess to know God. They profess to be believers. And in a moment, I just turned around and I just said, there is always hope. And I actually wrote that on this group where I just said, there is hope and there is always something you can do. How can you become a part of the relief efforts? How can you pray for our country, for our president, for everything that's happening, for the people that have been affected most by these riots? There is something we can do, and we have to stand up, and we have to recognize who our God is. Because when we do, amazing things happen. When the church is the church, in the fullest sense of the word, we see things change in our country Lisa Harper had that moment where she just had this perfect peace. And the beautiful end to that story is she is still preaching. Her lungs are already at 80% capacity again. And she is being healed daily. But it's, it's because she was able to stand on the truth of who God is and what he's doing. So, so friends, my challenge to you is in this season, be choosing about what you sow. Make careful choices about what you spread and what you perpetuate. We're called to be light bringers. Satan has enough people helping him spread darkness, misinformation, fear, and hopelessness. And, and all of that is useless in any way because, let's face it, he's already lost. We serve a God who has already won the victory for us. We're a hopeful people. Let's spread the truth that we know, not the world's truth. That is how we enter the rest. And that is how we help other people to do the same. Finally, and the last thing I want to share with you is, is really that what we do with this love that we've experienced, with the hope that we have, is we allow it to propel us into service into service. So we look at ways we can become a part of the solution. And just this morning, Joe's been sharing things about hope funds, and, and we've been sharing things as a church about encouraging people, please bring, you know, non-perishables, bring things so that we can be part of the relief effort. Um, we need to allow 
just the things that are happening in our country to propel us into a place of how can we serve people? How can we be light bringers? How can we be hope bringers? And, and really, the stories I've heard in the last week have moved me deeply, but it's not the stories of the unrest that have moved me. It is the stories where time and time again, I see people going out of their way to bring relief, where I see people saying, I have not made this mess, but I will clean it up where I've seen people going, you know what, I am deeply moved to go next door and and pray with my neighbor because I know they're in fear. I know this is tough for them. And I'm going to do what I can with what the Lord has given to me. So can I encourage you to find a way to carry light to those who need it most in this season? Because there's something about doing that that helps us to also enter the rest, but also brings the rest into every sphere in which we find ourselves. So my question to you is, where do you see a need? Just start. Do something. Find out if your neighbor needs prayer. Whatever God stirs in your heart, do that thing. Because friends, when we bring light to those who need it, we enter the rest. So would you commit with me to do those four things this week? To just spend time in the word, to spend time in worship, to spend time at the feet of Jesus, to choose the merry thing and to enter into the rest that God so freely offers us every single day. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, that you offer us a rest that goes beyond human understanding, God, that goes beyond anything we, we could ever comprehend. And God, I want to be one of those people that no matter what is happening in my world, in my life, in my family, that I can say it is well with my soul. And I pray that over each and every person that is on the stream this morning. I pray that over our church, I pray that over our country, God, that we will see a shift where people of faith will stand up and go, there is hope in our country. We believe God is going to do something profound in the midst of all the chaos and the riots and everything else that has happened. And more so, God, we want to pray that wherever the enemy is stolen from people, that it will be restored and more. We thank you that that is the God that we serve. You are an extravagant and loving God, a God who goes far beyond anything we could ever hope for or imagine. And we pray that, God. We pray that over every concern we have in our hearts. But I also pray, God, that we are going to be a people that start to live from that place of relationship, from that place of trust, from that place where we go, I know who my daddy is. I know that I'm good with him. I know that he has just love and favor for me. And I know that I can make it through any season we face in our country, in our life, because of who my God is. So would you bring us peace? Would you bring us rest? And would you bring us just this pronouncement over our lives, Lord? It is well with our souls. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.